Thanks for checking out this message from Radiant Life Church. Grab your Bible and a pad of paper and a pen. Let's dive in. Man, I tell you, it is good. It truly is. It's so good to be with you guys. I mean, I heard it. I was in the, the back getting water, the back behind the stage, and I heard... Uh, Pastor Brandon and Pastor Pam say, you guys have energy and are ready for this morning. And you sung, you were loud in your worship through song. Now we get to worship through the word. If I haven't met you, my name's Ryan. I'm our lead pastor, aka I'm our vision and teaching pastor. I'm our senior pastor here at Radiant Life. It's good to see you. Um, We are jumping into continuing our series called Reclaiming Holiness and as you go there, um, we're going to set up a few things this morning. It's going to be great because God's good. And it was a moving, moving 9 a.m. service for us. And I think God's going to do the same. Maybe even greater things. Who knows? It depends on our heart and posture, what we want. Right? And so I've titled this week, which is part three, I've titled this week, Do We Understand Who We Are Approaching? All right, so if you have your Bible, if you got your tablet, turn to Hebrews 12. I will eventually get there. And so, like, mark it, do whatever you, but do we understand who we are approaching? Week three, reclaiming holiness. I just want to take a moment, though, and pause on the teaching series just to say this. God is moving amongst us. We just had someone share a... A radical testimony of healing Tuesday night at Radiant Institute that got prayed over in this, in, during the services. And there was healing that happened. We had one of our own family members that had a child tragically fall on their head. And it was one of the worst case, like, brain bleeds that is possible as far as different levels of brain bleeds. Within 24 hours, they're released from the hospital and just going because of the prayer of the church. Things are moving, things are happening. Go figure, the prayer of a righteous man or woman moves the will of God, moves the heart of God. You guys have been praying for my knee, thank you. I'm off crutches right now because of, praise God, for uh, metal hinges and a knee brace that the doctor has given me, right? I'm still praying for healing. It's either a torn or or strained LCL and meniscus stuff. But uh, my healing's slow, I do believe God can heal instantaneously. We have seen it within this church. I believe God also heals through processes, right? And I believe that sometimes it's days, not instantaneous. It's weeks, not instantaneous. God moves in ways that we don't understand, and I'm okay with that. At least I try to be okay with that. Come on, right? Like you, you we, we try. Uh, just a quick review of the last two weeks. Where have we been when it comes to uh, holiness and reclaiming holiness. Uh, week one, I, I was able to share with us this idea of a lack of holiness is a critical obstacle to a close relationship with God. That we within the church, we've lost this idea of holiness. First Peter 1, 5 says, in 5 through 6, talks about God saying, be holy for I am holy. He's calling his people into holiness. And you say, oh, I can't. He's not calling us to his divinity. He's calling us into his character and his holiness. That's what he's calling us. And you sit back and go, I can't do that. Yes, you can through the empowerment of Spirit, Holy Spirit in your life. 
He's not going to call us to something we can't go after. He'll equip us to get there. And we got to be open to the move of Holy Spirit to help us go after holiness. Over 900 times the word holiness is used or holy in, the, in Scripture. In week one, we talked about this idea too of guard the culture of your heart and guard the culture of the community. Holiness can be defined as this idea is to be set apart, to be set apart from the customs and values of an unbelieving culture and society and be consumed with the character and teaching of Jesus. That it looks countercultural. And that's okay. We are to be a little weird, just not too weird, if you get it, what I mean. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't be too weird. Turn to your other neighbor and say, but be a little weird. And turn to someone around you and say, you're just plain weird. Uh, you enjoyed that one a little too much, right? That was, uh, yeah, right? I, we are called Jesus' teachings as Christians. I'm just talking to Christians today. If you're not a Christian, I'm not talking to you. Welcome to Radiant Life. You get to at least see what we're after. And I hope it rubs off on you. I really do. Uh, but we're called to be salt and light. We should not look like the world. You, the unbelieving world should look at us and say, man, we, you're weird. There's something different. And you'd be like, absolutely, thank you, because I love Jesus Christ, and let me tell you what he's done f- for me. And by the way, he also did it for you if you accept who he is, his Lord and Savior. Like, th- there it is. So we got to guard the culture of our heart, guard the culture of our community. We talked about in week one, in te- having integrity of our relationships. Guard, it's not always innocent. It may seem innocent, but you have no idea. Guard the integrity of relationships. Number two, we talked about guarding the integrity of our day-to-day, how we live out our lives, where we live, work, and play. And number three, we talked about the idea of the integrity of prioritizing worship, that God is first in all areas of our lives. We also talked about in week one how there's a danger of compromising. If we begin to compromise, it leads to conformity, And once we have been conformed, then the result is a heart that's drawn away from God. And we got to guard the culture of our heart. And we must guard the culture of our community here. Cultivate the right culture, which will equate to holiness in our lives. Last week, Pastor Chris uh, Conrad was here. And he, I just wrote down these four questions that my wife sent me that she wrote down. I think they're fantastic. He asked us when it comes to holiness and how Holy Spirit helps us, he asked us questions of what are we feasting on? Are we feasting on the Lord? Are we feasting on things of the world that are not holy? Not only that is what's distracting us from God? What's distracting us? Are we caught up with the things out there and not of the things of God? What are you allowing in your life? Ouch. What are we actually allowing into our life that ultimately asks this last question, what's driving you? Is the flesh, is it spirit, is it things of the world that actually drives me or is it things of God? And he brought an illustration with Coke Zero, which is great. I love Coke Zero, by the way. It is, I think if you drink pop, it's the best pop out there. I will arm wrestle you over it. You will probably beat me because I'm not that strong. But I love Coke Zero. 
I don't have Coke Zero like he did. I have water because Jesus says, I am the living water. So I'm going to use water. (laughs) All right. So this is, and I don't have kinetic sand. If you were here, he used kinetic sand. I don't have kinetic sand. I have, um, because Radiant Life loves coffee. I have coffee grounds to be the kinetic sand like he did. But this represents us and we're filled with the spirit of God. We're filled with living water and this, this is us. And he said, you know, the problem is there we are. And it's like, this is the idea of holiness. It's, it's pure, it's set apart, but we as Christians, right? Allow the grit to get in. And so he sprinkles kinetic sand, again, uh, coffee grounds. And what it does is it contaminates the water now. This isn't something you and I look at and say, yeah, that's refreshing. Uh, But this grit that we allow in our lives, it ultimately becomes like the sin that we allow to creep in to a vessel that's supposed to be the vessel of the Holy Spirit. And as, uh, as uh, Pastor Chris is unpacking how now the Holy Spirit helps us when the grit gets in, I'm looking at a different question this week. And by the way, it'll be next week. You can kind of say this is a two-parter this week and next week. I want to know, why is the grit in here in the first place? Yes, the Spirit of God helps us with it, but why did we ever allow it as Christians in our lives to begin with? Why? And then the issue becomes is for some of us, we get satisfied and just say, this is the Christian life. This is what it is. So this week and next week, we're going to look at two different angles of why I believe in scripture, why I believe in scripture that we allow the grit to get in in the first place. But we have to know as we go, know this before we jump into Hebrews 12, sin will render us spiritually blind. Sin renders us spiritually blind. Sin is really bad. Like, as our elder Chris Kidd has quoted so many times at this church with people, sin is really, really bad. It is so bad that God looks down upon his creation and say, all right, son, it's your turn. I'm going to sacrifice you. That's how bad it is that the son of God came down and was crucified, killed in the most horrific way to cover, forgive, cleanse, and make us right before God because sin is that bad. In our lives, we walk around, I mean, I'm saved. I mean, as far as I know, I'm saved. Like, I believe Right? I, I believe. I mean, I, I think I said that prayer that one time. I think I'm, I'm good. And we think we're good. We think we believe. But yet, why do we allow this stuff? We don't take sin seriously. We, we don't even guard against it. It just comes in. And then we, you know what we're really good at? Self-justifying why it's in there. And we have to know... What I want to do this morning, what the Lord wants to do is know that this morning we are dependent upon this ministry of Holy Spirit to illuminate and open our eyes to see why we allow this in the first place. Why do we allow it? I want everything God has for you. 
I want you to live the most incredible marriage of your life. I want you to live out what God has placed on our hearts is to be fully alive in Jesus because he died for you for that. As his word says, he died to give you an abundant life. Let's come fully alive. Let's not wait to heaven to encounter his presence. You have his presence now and let's help the, let's help in the, in the Lord's prayer. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We don't have to wait to heaven to experience his kingdom. We can have it here now. Woo! Sweating. So here, I want to bring you real quick to one thing. We're jumping into uh, Hebrews 13. I'm sorry, Hebrews 12. You are correct. Isaiah 33. Isaiah 33, depending on the translation you look at, it says this, the fear of the Lord is his treasure, or the fear of the Lord is Zion's treasure. Zion, it was referred to Mount Zion, which is Jerusalem. I think about what Isaiah the prophet's saying here. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. I think we've lost this. We don't have a fear of the Lord. And if we do, maybe perhaps it's not our treasure. I mean, think about this. You know, what, you, you know how you know what people treasure? They talk about it. They talk about it. You know how proud parents are with their kids when they get good grades or they make the sports team or they just do the right thing and they just are incredible. Per- they talk about their kids and grandkids. Why? Because they treasure them. I love this. A couple, was it last year? Your your grandson, he's almost one. Yeah, we're in Orlando, Florida at a a conference. (laughs) I love this. This makes perfect sense. Thanks for allowing me to use you. Um, We we went to a conference that we go to every year, exponential conference, and we're there and we're getting, we're at a grocery store and Pastor Brandon, you just, he just had his grandson born. And, and, and I'm, I think I was running the, I was messing up the U-scan line and I got yelled at by the cashier because it was beeping like I thought it was good. It was beep, like beep, beep. The problem is the belt's not going. So I'm beep and I'm just like shoving them. Beep, beep. And she comes over, she goes, stop, 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 stop. She has to come and unbeep every single one. I didn't realize it wasn't working. And so... While we're there, we're striking up conversation and Pastor Brandon, he's so excited about his grandson being born, right? We're in Florida. You want to see my grandson, right? He's so excited though. Why? Because his grandson is a treasure to him. He's so excited. He wants to talk about it. He wants to show random people his grandson, right? How do we know what we treasure? We talk about it. Do you talk about the fear of the Lord? Do you have it? And the word fear here is unpacked in three different dimensions here. Number one, an honor and respect for who he is. It's, it's this idea of, of fear of the Lord is that he's this awesome, terrifying thing, but awesome thing all summed up in one beautiful thing. And it's a reverence that you have a reverence for the Lord. Do you truly treasure the fear of the Lord? Or is it just, I talk about him on Sunday. I actually don't have a reverence. It's just very casual with the Lord. 
at the core of who we are, we should have an understanding of who God is and who God is like. We should treasure the fear of the Lord. So I want to move into Hebrews together, and I'm going to stop at many times because I'll be honest, Hebrews chapter 12 can be a little confusing, okay? And I love teaching with you. I love learning together. So I'm going to unpack through it by bit by bit, starting in verse 14, and we're going to work our way through, and I'll stop when it gets very difficult. If you are at Hebrews chapter 12, let me hear you say word. We get in the word, so the... And if you were guests and you go, what in the world did they just do? They're a weird cult. We are not a cult. We love the Lord. We're on mission together. But we believe the word of God transforms us. This is his spoken word that's inspired by God. It's infallible and inerrant. It means it's without error. It's the word of God. And we want it to get inside of us to get, we want to read it to make it get into us and who we are. We don't just want to read it, put it on the shelf and say, done. We believe it's the word of God. It's his breath spoken in us or spoken to us. And we have his word and we get to study it together. I'll eventually get to Hebrews right after Philemon. We're good. It is not Philemon, by the way. It's Philemon. In case any of you wonder, you've been like, I've been saying it wrong for years. Poor Philemon. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 12. Oh. Oh. Verse 14, here we go. Pursue peace with everyone. And what's that one word? Holiness. Pursue peace with everyone and holiness. Without it, no one will see the Lord. You won't see the Lord without holiness. Just let that sit. Make sure that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up, causing trouble and defiling many. And make sure that there isn't any immoral or irreverent person like Esau who sold his birthright in exchange for a single meal. For you know that later when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected even though he sought it with tears because he didn't find any opportunity for repentance. So right away, what we're noticing here is the writer of Hebrews is saying, listen, you have to have holiness or you will not see the Lord. Then he says, make sure that there isn't an immoral or irreverent person amongst you. This is why, remember week one, I said, we got to guard the culture of our community. What you do outside these walls affects the body of Christ. And not just radiant life, but all the bodies of Christ, which is the bride of Christ. You affect the body of Christ. And this is the harsh warning. Make sure no one falls short. Make sure there isn't any immoral or irreverent person. And then he gives us the example from Genesis. And he says, it's like Esau. Esau sold his birthright cheaply for a little meal. But he had the blessing and birthright and he sold it. Whew. I think many Christians today, we're like Esau. 
See, we sell our intimacy with God for cheap things of the world. We, don't, we may not understand Genesis and the whole ancient world of birthright and blessing and all that stuff, which is fine, but we do understand what do I sell my intimacy for as I chase after the world. See, there's carrots out there to chase after. Carrot of success. Carrot of money. The carrot of, I need a platform How many social media followers do I have? Who cares? Just go seek and chase after Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. And we sell our intimacy with God, chasing after the things of the world. Verse 18, it continues. For you have not come to what could be touched to a blazing fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to the blast of trumpet and sounds of words. Those who heard it begged that not another word be spoken to them for they could not bear what was commanded. Even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. The appearance was so terrifying that Moses says, I'm trembling with fear. What the writer's doing here is he's taking us back to the Old Testament in Exodus chapter 19. When God appeared on Mount Sinai to the nation of Israel. And by the leader of Moses... This is the same Moses who had the audacity to stand before Pharaoh, who's the most powerful person in the ancient world, and tell Pharaoh 10 times, let God's people go. And they've been in slavery. It's this Moses who got the word from God to say, go to Pharaoh and say these things. It's this Moses that got Pharaoh to finally, or God got Pharaoh to finally release the Hebrew people after 400 years of slavery. Moses leads them out of Egypt. He gets to a body of water and says, "Uh uh-oh. He turns around and the army of the Egyptians are coming after them. Because Pharaoh realized, oh shoot, I made a bad decision. All our workforce is gone. I kind of like those Hebrew slaves. Hey, go get them. Moses stretches out his hands with the staff and the sea splits. And the Israelites walk through the sea on dry ground. They get, as soon as they get on the other side of the sea, they turn around and they see the Egyptians are still coming at them. And all of a sudden, the water, the walls of the water collapse on the Egyptians. And this is the Moses who led that. But this is the Moses who sees Mount Sinai. And says that the presence of God is on this mountain. And Moses' response, I'm trembling with fear of who this God is. It's looking back to Mount Sinai that God said, fence it off. Fence this wall. Wash your clothes. Mount Sinai had thunder, lightning, a thick cloud was there. They had sounds of trumpets calling forth for the nation of the Hebrew people to come to the base of the mountain and meet with God. 
Smoke and earthquakes, God spoke and warned them in every possible way. Just don't touch the mountain where my presence is. That's why it says, even if an animal touches it, it's got to be stoned. And this is the God that you and I worship. A God that an incredible leader like Moses says, I am trembling with fear in the presence of him. This is the holy God. Do you have this picture of the God we serve? Let me ask you a question. Do we understand who we are approaching in worship? Or do we just come here casually and say it's just what we do, right? I mean, we're supposed to sing songs. I think we're supposed to. Do you understand who we're approaching in worship? This is our God. He is unlike any other. He is set apart in his holiness. There's nothing like our God. And Moses goes up trembling. And Moses gets this. He says, God, I want to see you. And what does God make him do? Go into the crevice of a rock and say, don't look because I, you can't stand my glory. And he goes by. And now Moses has to come down the mountain with a veil because he saw the glory of God. He couldn't take your sandals off because this is holy ground, Moses. It's Moses' experience on the mountain. He trembles with fear. He knows who our God is, do we? Do we? And that's what the writers of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews is explaining right here. That moment where Moses trembled in fear because the presence of God, I know it. The writer continues on. Instead, Now it's kind of a shift in the narrative. Instead, you have come to Mount Zion, to a city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to myriads of angels, a festive gathering, to the assembly of the firstborns whose names have been written in heaven, to a judge who is God of all, to the spirits of the righteous people made perfect, And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood, which says better things than the blood of Abel. We're not like the people of the Old Testament. Instead, We don't have to stay at the base of the mountain. We have greater access now to God because of a mediator and his name is Jesus. And his blood is better than any sacrifice. That's what he's saying in this moment. This is a picture of us knowing who we are now, that Jesus is with us through the spirit and we don't go to a mountain. Instead, he came here and the curtain tore in the temple and his presence now is within believers. We don't have to go to the mountain anymore. All because of Jesus. It's a different thing now, he's saying. And here's what's amazing. Can you, do you walk into this room and picture us when the worship team begins to hit their first note? 
oh, now we're worshiping. Now we have begun worship. That's not what this says. It says that you and I are joining in with a myriad of angels already worshiping. We're not starting worship. We're joining in angelic worship. It's there. And then he says, listen, not only that, but right here, the spirits of righteous people made perfect. That's in reference to those who've already gone before us. Not only do we join with angelic angels already worshiping this holy God, but I enter into worship that my dad is already in and that my grandparents are already in. I'm entering into that worship when we come in and they begin to strum the first note. Now I'm entering into their worship. Oh, how can we not worship? How can we not understand the awe and reverence of who this God is? There are angels sitting there, holy, holy, holy is the Lamb of God. Worship team, make your way up. I can't. How do I not protect and guard the culture of my heart? With a reverence of in awe of who this God is. Why would I ever let this stuff into my life? That just contaminates me. Why would I not guard against things? Why would I sit there and be okay watching things I shouldn't watch? Why would I be okay with allowing words to come out of my mouth that don't worship God? Why am I okay coming into a church gathering, being casual with a holy God? Why do I allow the grit in my life to begin with? I don't know if we have a reverence in awe of who our God is. Because you get that clear picture of who he is. I don't want this crap in there. I don't want it. I want everything that Jesus has for me. Not this. This stuff is disgusting. It should turn us off. And the world can have it and not me and now I'm going to go after the world because I know there's something better than the muck that's in their glass and now I'm going to go preach Jesus because he's a treasure of mine and I know the purity and the holiness that he is calling me to not this he didn't die a horrific death for this why do we allow it why do we allow it because I'm saved and I know God will forgive me of it he prophesied in my name he did all sorts of cool things I never knew you Jesus said and he says even the demons believe in me I never knew you you this is your life you think I know you? The sprinkled blood, which is far better. It's better than the blood of Abel. It's referring to Jesus' sacrifice. See, Abel's blood, it's in reference to what Abel brought as a sacrifice to God in Genesis. 
It says Abel brought the best to God. The problem with Abel's brother Cain is Cain didn't bring the best. He brought leftovers. And this is why Cain kills his brother Abel. He's jealous. Because God's favor and blessing was on Abel. Because God says, that's what I want. I don't want your leftovers like your brother. I want the best. They're saying now, bringing the best obviously to God. But what matters is the blood of Jesus over us. For our forgiveness. For our righteousness to be reconciled back into relationship with God. For if they did not escape when they rejected him who warned them on earth, even less will if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven. His voice shook the earth at that time, but now he's promised. Yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This expression, yet once more, indicates the removal of what can be shaken. And then he tells us, that is created things. So that what is not shaken might remain. The idea of being shaken. Is this idea that through the mercy and the reverence and the majesty of our God, that he will shake this earth, shake the things that grip us, so that one time our eyes will begin to be unblinded and we can see the holiness of God. The things of the earth will fade away. But God, but God, he will shaken and awaken something deep within us. If you're not a believer here this, today, my prayer is that God's going to shake you into a spiritual awakening to him because he loves you and he's pursuing you. To my fellow brother and sister, ask you a question. Where are you standing right now? Are you standing on the things of the earth that will shake and give way? Are you standing on the kingdom of God? Where are you standing? In verse 28, he says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom cannot be shaken. Let us be thankful. I'm thankful for a kingdom that's as solid as solid. <laughs> a kingdom that is solid with its promises. A kingdom that's solid on its principles. A kingdom that's solid on the, its power and protection. I'm grateful so I can come into a room every Sunday with you and say, I know, I know I'm going through some stuff, but my God is still God and his kingdom still remains and I'm thankful. And in verse 29, or the rest of 28 into verse 29, it says, by it, 
we may serve God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. See, it says, and if you look at Christian research on the church and its mission, it says ecclesiology and missiology, the study of church, the study of its mission. All research says in the 1970s and the 1980s, we shifted the narrative that we don't need reverence towards God. That was the shift that happened in the American Christian church. We come to church casually. We worship casually. We hear the word casually. Church, do we realize who we're, that we are coming before a holy God together, which is so beautiful, but a God that is a consuming fire that wants to do nothing with sin anymore because he sent his son, Jesus. He can't be around. He's so set apart. He's so set apart. But with him being so set apart, it doesn't mean he's unapproachable. Because we have the mediator, Jesus Christ. And there's one prophet that nailed it. Well, they all nailed it. It's all the word of God, I should say. (laughs) I'm closing with this. Isaiah saw it. Remember Moses' response on Mount Sinai? Trembling with fear of who this God is. And Isaiah the prophet, he writes in Isaiah chapter 6. He gets to see God. He says this, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on high in, in, in lofty throne. And the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphim were standing above him. They each had six wings. With two, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. And one called to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of armies. His glory fills the whole earth. They, Isaiah sees this, these creatures above God's throne just saying, holy, holy, holy. And Isaiah's response to all of it, he says, then I said, woe is me. Moses, fear and trembling at who our God is. Isaiah, woe is me. He says, I'm ruined. Because I'm a man of unclean lips and live amongst the people of unclean lips. And because my eyes have seen the King, the Lord, who armies his only response, woe is me, I'm ruined. Our acceptable worship, brother, sister, is marked by a profound sense of divine holiness of who our God is. In Hebrews 12, 29, says exactly how it should be marked. That we serve God acceptably. How? Reverence and awe. We ought to come into spaces like this as Christians across the globe. 
care what song it is. I don't care what the message is. I have reverence and awe of who this creator is. Thanks for listening to this message from Radiant Life Church. To get to know us better, check out the Radiant Life. Dot church. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram.